to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to be in worship with each of you this morning. Uh, Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is the liturgical season in the Christian year that runs between Ash Wednesday and Easter. And if you count up those days, you're going to say, Jeff, you're a terrible counter. The reason is, is because we never count Sunday as a part of Lent. Sunday is always Resurrection Day. But Lent is this time in the Christian year where we focus in on like self-reflection, spiritual renew, repentance. What do we need to change our ways from? And our sermon series this year is Less is More. And we're going to focus in on those areas of our life where sometimes we have too much of a good thing. Where is less that will make us more? If you have questions or want to explore more of the sermon series, on Monday, between 12 and 12.30, myself and one of the pastors will be having a closing the distance conversation, kind of about the themes of the sermon. We'll be answering some questions that we get Um, So if you're interested, you're on your lunch break, you're looking to kind of tune in, that'll be on Facebook Live as well as on the church website, and then we'll publish it on the podcast as well. So in what areas of our lives is less more? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we ask in the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you might speak to our hearts, not my words, frail human words that they are, but your word, or that our meditations of our hearts and reflections of our mind might be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You need to see a shrink. That's what a congregation member recently told me. <laughs> this, this person happens to be a therapist. And I just told him about an article that I read about in the Harvard Business Review that two psychology researchers wrote. And the article said this. Three minutes of cable news before 9 a.m. makes you 27% more likely to say you had an unhappy or depressing day six to eight hours later. All it takes to ruin your day is three minutes. The article went on to say, we believe that negative news influences how we approach our work and the challenges we encounter at the office. 
because it shows us a picture of life in which our behavior does not matter. The majority of news stories showcase problems in our world that we can do little or nothing about. In psychology, believing our behavior is irrelevant in the face of challenges is called learned helplessness, which has been connected with low performance and higher likelihood of depression. My therapist friend said these findings corresponded with his own clinical experience. Learned helplessness is believing your behavior is irrelevant in the face of challenges. It makes you think you don't matter, that you can't make a difference. And much of the content that we consume through media and technology, whether it's cable news, social media podcasts, or the radio, it teaches us learned helplessness. And much of it just makes us angry, frustrated, and depressed. Is there another way? Look at what the Apostle Paul says when he is caught in a helpless situation. He says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. Paul is literally in a helpless situation. He's trapped in a cold, cramped, and damp prison cell in Rome. He has no freedom of movement. He relies on people to bring him food. He's helpless. But what does he say? I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Even as a prisoner, the apostle Paul calls us to, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Live a life worthy of the calling. You aren't helpless. You can make a difference. Even if you're in chains, even if you're in prison, you matter. My friend said, as people often do, Jeff, you should title an upcoming sermon series, You Need to See a Shrink. I said, man, people would find that offensive. And I don't think a lot of people can even afford to see a a counselor. I mean, do we even have enough counselors for that sort of thing? He says, no, 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 Jeff. And he kind of laughs. He says, this is what I mean. I think we need to see a shrink a shrink in how much cable news and social media we consume. I said, I see, I, I see what you did there. That's clever. <laughs> Whether it's cable news, social networking, or your email, I think we would all be better off in shrinking, shrinking how much we consume. But no matter how hard I try, maybe you're like me, I can't help myself. Is it helping me to live a life worthy of the calling to which I've been called? Or is it bumming me out, making me anxious, or just plain angry? And this got me thinking. Why is it so hard? Why do we find cable news and social media so appealing, so compelling? Well, a lot of time, effort, and money has gone in to making this content stickier than the gum on your shoe. One way they do this is through fear. Some of us are what they, plagued with what they call FOMO, the fear of missing out. We're scared about what we miss, might miss out on that's happening out there. We're scared about what the 
The boss might say if we don't instantaneously respond to his email. That's right, Reverend Carey, isn't it? <laughs> a congregation member once described carrying his email around on his phone. He said, it's like a cloud is following me around. Others of us are, are fearful that we won't have an identity if we aren't up to speed on the latest news, a specific headline, trending topic. We're, researchers say that we're fearful of missing out on the dopamine hit in our brains that we get from social media. One study I read said that users on Twitter find it harder to not tweet than they do to abstain from alcohol and cigarettes. The second reason media is so absorbing is that it allows us, it allows us to separate propositions from people. See, I, abstract, I abstractly believe something, and then I forget that there are real people involved. And so by abstracting moral claims from particular situations that involve particular people, we no longer have to talk with empathy. Do you notice that people will post things online that they would never say to your face. <laughs> and they forget, it's so easy, that that one-inch square on your computer screen represents a real human being. Another reason is there is an ever-increasing kind of what I call commodification of conflict. One of the aspects of our culture is that selling conflict is good for business. People want to watch other people pick sides and fight, and they will pay for it. Whether it's sports, politics, or real housewives. <laughs> people love to watch a fight. The problem is, at 20 to 30 hours of this a week, you begin to believe you are created to fight. And this approach never solves anything it only makes the fighting worse. And there's a lot of heat, but very little light. Now, I don't want you to think that this issue only arose in 2022. So in my research, I found a paper I wrote in seminary back in 2005. And I wrote this sentence, and how arrogant must you be to quote yourself? <laughs> but it won't stop me. <laughs> Whether it is Rush Limbaugh being more contentious or Howard Stern being crude, the audience sides with one or the other and equal opportunity marketers sell to both sides. Is 2005 too recent for you? Let's go to 1689 in Europe. Even without social media or cable news, they were asking the question, can't we all get along? And in 1689, John Locke wrote his monumental text, A Letter Concerning Toleration. He wrote it in response to what they called the wars of religion, the Thirty Years' War, bloodiest war up until the Second World War in Europe. The people who were torturing and killing one another all called themselves Christians. And confronting this horrendous violence, John Locke gave what's become kind of the standard answer for violence in liberal democracies. He says, and he calls for toleration. He asks his readers to tolerate each other. He says this, I appeal to the consciences of those who persecute, wound, torture, and kill other men on the excuse of religion. 
whether they do this in a spirit of friendship and kindness. It will be very difficult to persuade men of sense that he who with dry eyes and satisfaction of mind can deliver his brother to the executioner to be burnt alive does sincerely and heartily concern himself to save that brother from the flames of hell in the world to come. In other words, he's saying, I'm torturing you for your own good is not a good way to win friends and influence people. <laughs> and I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I agree with Locke. At a minimum, we should learn to tolerate each other. But ultimately, we don't follow John Locke, we follow Jesus Christ. And the goal of the Christian life is not just to tolerate each other. It's to love each other. Notice what Paul says we're called to. He says this, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul calls us to a higher virtue than tolerance. He calls us to forbearance, to bear with one another, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For many of us, CNN, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, etc., are soundtracks playing in the background of our lives. And we often aren't paying attention to them. They're just there. We live in a world of what the late author David Foster Wallace called total noise. Total noise. It's the tornado of messages coming at us that disorient and distract us. How do we, and how do these messages impact us, even if it's subliminally? We don't even recognize it. Are they teaching us learned helplessness? Or are they helping us achieve our calling to humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love? I'm reminded of the man seen riding on a galloping horse. A bystander asked the man, where are you going? The man said, I don't know, you'll have to ask the horse. We don't know often where the horse of media and technology is taking us. It may be taking us places where we don't want to go. It's making us people we don't want to be, maybe even dehumanizing us. Did you see Paul initially calls us to humility? Did you know that the word humility and human come from the same root word, humus? Humus means earth, dirt, soil. Human beings are earthbound creatures, therefore we should be humble. This past Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, we, we reminded each other of our humanity. We put ash on everyone's forehead, saying, you came from dust to dust, you will return. We are finite creatures. But much of our lives is lived trying to avoid that fact. We want to be like God. And we will distract ourselves in so many ways to forget our humanity. The first book my wife ever gave me was called The Movie Goer, written by Walker Percy, a Southern Christian writer. It won him the, the National Book Award. And The Movie Goer tells a story about this stockbroker named Binks Bowling. He spends most of his time flirting with secretaries and going to movies until he approaches his 30th birthday. 
And he begins to wake up, he says, to his life. And he begins to notice the people around him. He says, these people are sleepwalking through life. They don't care about what's most important. They don't ask themselves the difficult questions. They'd rather keep their eyes on the ground. They're sleepwalking, he says. And he says he wakes up to what he calls the search. And he says the search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. The search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. Oh, Percy says, we are modern people. We've got all this technology, but we are asleep to the things that matter. We sleepwalk, surfing the internet, scrolling on our phones, watching the news, replying to emails, but we rarely ever pay attention to the things that matter. We are sunk in everydayness, in distraction. As St. Augustine once said, Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O God. We need to see a shrink from our our technology and our media consumption so that we can be more human, so that we can be the people that God has created and called us to be. It's true. Less is more. So I want to conclude with several suggestions about what you can do less of to be more of who God has created and called you to be. First, consider turning off your push notification and email alerts on your phone. Try it even just for a week during this Lent. Not too long ago, I realized how often I was mindlessly kind of opening my Facebook page and just scrolling through it on my phone. And inevitably, I would come across somebody who was claiming that the earth is flat. And, And I would just get so angry. The earth is not flat, moron! And I would lay awake at night and I would just come up with arguments to prove the earth's curvature and its spherical nature. And I just, it would just drive me crazy. And finally, I deleted Facebook from my phone and I have been 27% more happy. <laughs> Second, engage with at least two news publications from different ideological perspectives. Watch and read them and ask, what can I learn? If you don't agree with what's being said, say, why would someone else agree with it? Third, develop a a practice of silence and meditation. Even five minutes a day, just sit in your car, in your driveway, with the radio off, nothing on, and just be and quiet your heart and quiet your mind. Lastly, Ask yourself, how is God calling me to bear someone else's burdens? To inconvenience myself in order to help someone else carry their load. I think this is the heart of the Christian life. Why? Because this is exactly what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. God bears with us. God has carried our burdens in Jesus Christ. And so we are called to bear with one another. There are certain things in our life, if we have less of them, we will be more, more of ourselves, more of who God has created and called us to be. The writer James Baldwin once said that our concept of God should make us larger, freer, and more loving human beings. And so much 
of the total noise of our world distracts us from being larger, freer, and more loving. In some of our areas of our lives, less is more. I provocatively and intentionally entitled this sermon, What Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow Really Have to Teach Us. And I think the answer could be, I need a shrink. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do need a shrink. And so we pray we might have the courage to turn off so many of the distractions in our lives. Lord, that we might flourish, become more of who you've created and called us to be. We might flourish as human beings. Our world desperately needs it. In your name we pray. been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.